BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell, hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz, and I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Keep working hard, Mecca. They see you, they see us. I love to see it. Our time is now. I was born in 1937. I've seen it all. There aren't many like us. We still dope. We still dope. Still dope, still dope, it's real dope. Knocking out your speakers, cause I'm still dope, still dope. Mecca Don, welcome to Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. So I have to know, you know, you, you read up all on you, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to introduce you, so I thought maybe I'd just ask you, who is Mecca Don? Yeah, uh, well... It's a, it's a funny, it's actually a good question. I mean, I, you know, I, I, uh, music is, is my number one passion and it, and it, and it always has been. And everything else that I do, uh, kind of supports the music. If I could, you know, I can say that. So I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a artist, a recording artist and songwriter, but I'm also a, a lawyer and a, a consultant. Uh, I care a lot about diversity, equity and, and inclusion. So I've been, um, luckily I've been, um, named to the executive board of the Equality Coalition for the whole Big Ten Conference. Uh, that's something that's been very, very important to me as well. Uh, and I'm an entrepreneur, you know, so, you know, I, I believe in, you know, trying to get things, um, you know, my own way. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's who Mechadon is. Awesome. Yeah, speaking of your own way, you know, what, what I think is kind of incredible is that, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of what you're doing is incredible, but you know, when when you go back to 2014 and you your your debut album, The Dream Goes On, uh, you 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 raised you crowdfunded for that for that album, and, and yep. to say it says raising over 150 percent of your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for you, what did it mean that you not just 
just not just reached your goal, but you surpassed your goal. And, and, and what does that mean? What did that say to you in terms of the, what the project was going to mean once it was both finished and, 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 and how the fans were going to react to it? Yeah. So, you know, interesting crowdfunding was something that was new to us at that time. Um, we had, you know, heard about it as an option. Um, we didn't have the money to produce the album the way we needed to. So we actually needed to do something, you know? Um, and so, we read up on crowdfunding and we decided to launch a campaign. The interesting thing about that, man, I, I learned so much during that process, just generally about kind of human psychology and then also about the brand that we had built and, and the trust that people kind of had uh, in me and in us and what we were doing. You know, first, with, as far as crowdfunding goes, you know, you would think our goal, I think, was 12500 and we ended up raising, like, I think 21000 Oh, yeah. in 30 days wow. and um, we had uh, hundreds of donors too it wasn't like it was like four different people or something like that you right. know and, and so what what i learned what was interesting to me is once we got to that twelve thousand five hundred to go i thought okay it was going to stop that's the goal right yeah. um but people kept putting money in what i realized was that you know it was for them it wasn't necessarily about okay he hit his goal it was about i want to make sure that i'm on record for supporting this this artist and this project, no matter how much the goal is, and I also realized that a goal is just a goal. That there's there's always more that can be done if there's more money given, right? So they they you know, and for them giving more money, that that increased our budgets for other things that we were able to do, you know. Um, so that was that was exceptional, but also just seeing the support uh, of people who are willing to kind of be a part of something without necessarily anything in return. Uh, you know, we had some perks and stuff like that, but there are people who were who were donating money who weren't, you know, even selecting perks. They just literally wanted to support. And that that gave me hope. Honestly, like, I don't want to sound corny, but it gave me hope for humanity in a way, you know, where where there is a, a market out there, a collection of people who are willing to just support somebody else's dream without necessarily anything in return. I thought that that was amazing. So um, so that's kind of the kind of the macro perspective. But but you know, on a more micro perspective, as far as the album itself, it made me very excited, you know, um, that that many people cared, uh, to see this thing succeed. And it also showed me that I actually had a lot of fans, you know, cause you know, it's, it's, it's not, every, you know, it's not every day that you really know exactly how many fans you have or, you know, and, or how, what level they're willing to support you on, you know, right. um, you might have a lot of followers on social media, but then you post something and nobody supports it. I mean, I see that happen all the time, even with, you know, big celebrities. So that also just gave me, a, you know, good insight on, on that. What we were doing was we were doing things the right way. Um, we had obviously built the trust of people to, to that we were going to do what we said we were going to do. And, and it really actually helped us, honestly, execute and, and, uh, and even get the word out. So it was that was kind of a really amazing experience for us. You, you, talk, you talked about this uh, um, building a trust and, and, and showing that, that the trust you built all these years were obviously came to fruition, you know, with mm -hmm. this project. Can you talk a bit more about how how you think you were able to kind of build this trust through the years? I mean, you know, uh, obviously, I imagine it wasn't it wasn't forced, right? It was more organic in that way. But can you talk about building that trust? Sure. So, you know, one of the things that I realized, you know, when I left. The law firm. I left the law firm in 2007. Jumped, jumped all the way out into music full time. And at that time, I, I, you know, I was a little naive in terms of how people were going to receive me. To be honest, and 
it wasn't it wasn't good necessarily early on, right? I think a lot of people thought, "Who's this dude? Like, you know, right, lawyer and he's a rapper. That's bull." Like, can I curse on this show? Yeah, yeah of course. Come. Okay, he's like that's bullshit. Like this dude is, I'm not supporting him. Whatever. That's like, go be a lawyer, dude. Right. And then, you know, so people there there was a lot of that, and and people thinking it was inauthentic. People thinking, oh, he's just going to do this for a couple of years and he's going to go back to the law firm. Like, I'm not supporting that. And what I learned at that time was that, you know, fans are what I call emotional investors, mm-hmm. right? So they, they're financial investors too, but they're emotional investors more so. They want to know if they're supporting you, that this is real, this is true, this is who you are, this is what you are, this is what you're going to be, that a couple of years from now or five years from now, this is still going to be what you're doing. Because there's so many artists out here and, and a lot of fans don't, they don't just support just the music. They support you, the lifestyle. They want to know, you know, what what are you doing on any given day? Who are you dating? Are you married? Your kids, they follow mm-hmm. what you're wearing, all that type of stuff. So I started to realize, I was like, wow, okay, I understand why there's a lot of pushback initially because people are like, they're not convinced yet, you know? So I think by 2014, so if you can imagine the grind from 2007 when I left the firm, to 2014 when we released the album it was consistent the music the 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 grind and the music was consistent there are mixtapes we put out with mick boogie i did a song with mgk and 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 busy bone um i started doing music licensing with with uh espn and ohio state and i won the mtv award in 2012 for my the best new video and my videos were on mtv and vh1 so by that time i think people started to say okay this is this really is this guy. This is what he he loves. This is what he's doing. What his passion is, and he really is committed to this. And so, by the time it was time to actually put out a debut album, I think we had built up enough equity um, with people and consistency to where they believed in what it was that we were doing, and and um, that this was something that they could trust was real and, and authentic. Uh, the, the the title of the, uh, the album, The Dream Goes On, I, I, I think is a, is a great title. But at the same time, what, what's interesting about it is, to me is that when you when you read The Dream Goes On, it for me seems like a, a sequel to like a second album. Mm. Uh, you know, like something right. like, you know, like, like for yeah. me, the first album would be like The Dream Begins, you know, right. and, you know, continue to. So what's the significance of the title, The Dream Goes On uh, yeah. for you? Well, I think it was, you know, there was a, so kind of referring back to my, my, the last answer I gave in terms of like what people were expecting from me um, and whether or not, and just all of the adversity that we had gone through um, at that, up to that point to try to prove to people like that this was real and authentic. And then to get them to even listen, you know, like it's hard even to get people to even listen, even people, you know, to even get them to listen to a song is, is, is a challenge sometimes. Right. You know, so it's uh, I think that it was kind of like, listen, this this dream has been in me since I was young. You know, when I was I was breakdancing for people when I was four years old, you know, like we were writing raps when we were eight, like me and my family and my brother and sisters. And, the, and they weren't good, but we still loved it. You know? And then, you know, I was in a band and, and uh, my brother and I started a band where I was a drummer and rapping in, in high school. And you know what I mean? Like this is 
this is a, was a buildup. This wasn't just something that I think a lot of people, that was the other thing that we had to overcome was I think people just thought I just in law school decided I wanted to rap, you know, and mm. not realizing that this is something that I had been doing for years and had been part of who I was, like my, the essence of who I was since I was a kid. And so I felt like this was kind of a continuation, you know, not necessarily of, of, a, of an older album, like you said, but kind of a continuation of the dream. And to just remind people that this thing, this thing is going to keep going. This train is going to keep moving and it, it goes on. And either you're coming or you're not, but it's going to, regardless of whether you're coming or not, this thing is going to keep going. And that was kind of um, the significance of it to me at that time. Yeah. Yeah. On the, uh, on, on the title track of the album, um, I, I, there's a appreciation that um, your flow reminds me of uh, the, the poet uh, Black Ice. Mm. Um, and, and, and the appreciation is that what it, what it tells me is that you are someone as an artist that cares for the lyrics and not just a, not trying to hide any of his words behind yeah. a really amazing beat. I mean, the, yeah. beat's, the beat's great as well mm-hmm. on the track. Um, talk to, can you talk to me about when you, or, or what would, would you, um, who were your influences in terms of like uh, knowing that lyrics are just as important as the beat that are supporting those lyrics. Yeah. You know, so growing up, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting when I talk about music influences, you know, I obviously have music influences in hip hop. You know, Tupac was, was probably the biggest one. DMX was a huge one. Those are my two one, the biggest, and then Busta Rhymes. Um, but I was always, you know, I also had old, you know, Special Ed and you know De La Soul. Like, you know, uh, uh, man, I mean, like, just so many different people that had influenced me early, early on. Red Man, I mean, <clears throat> but also I had influences outside of hip hop that were important, you know, Bob Marley, uh, Michael Jackson, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, you know, like literally like, and even some of like the, even some of those rock bands, those like long hair rock bands, Aerosmith and Motley Crue, like I listen, listen to all different types of music and, um, what I realized and what I'm even realizing even more now is that the people who were actually saying something you know, Nas, obviously, the people who are actually saying something, those people's music can stand the test of time. You know, you can listen to those songs today and feel as though they relate to what's going on today, even though they're written 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, you know? And so for me, it was always important that I didn't, you know, obviously I, you know, I write some, some songs, I've written certain songs that were more like just, I don't know what they call it, t- your traditional radio hit or whatever, and so on and so forth. But like, but for the most part, I wanted to make sure that my stuff was meaningful um, and that, you know, my purpose in hip hop was not to just be famous and to for people to think I'm cool and all that shit. Like I wanted it to be where people can actually relate to this and play this and say, yo, this is if I was rapping, this is what I would say. Or, you know, this is something that relates to my life as well. And so and then also, you know, and th- I don't know if this was an ego thing, but just to be honest, but I wanted to also prove to people like I can rap, you know, I'm not just a dude that like, you know, cause people think, Oh, you're just this guy that's like, you know, just trying to be a star or you're just someone who creates these anthems for schools and stuff like that. It's like, nah, like I actually can rap, you know, like rap, rap. And so, um, 
that was also something that I always just kind of wanted to prove. And so just in case anybody ever doubted that, uh, I wanted it to be apparent through the music. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, you know, you, 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 you still, you'd still have to prove some of that because I feel like walking away from being a lawyer is a huge mm-hmm. thing. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, right. especially, especially if you're fully walking away. Um, what, I, this is a silly question, but what, why, why is it that I feel like a lot of lawyers or soon to be lawyers that I meet, uh, the story usually, or, or not just soon to be lawyers, but other career lawyers, uh, but they usually have a story where they, I was in law school and I left, or I was a lawyer and I left, and they, yeah. and they usually, it's usually they go into the arts. I mean, is that, is there a connection between, I guess that maybe how the, the artist mind works and the the lawyer's mind work. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you asked that. I was on a podcast, uh, not a podcast, but a Zoom call yesterday. Um, actually, two Zooms, one with PBS and one with um, Ohio State's mock trial team, uh, literally back to back. And and this topic came up on both of those Zooms. So it's crazy <laughs> if you ask me this. So there's a, there is a connection. I think, first of all, from a, at least from a litigator's perspective, right, you're going to court. And I, and I explained this to the mock trial team yesterday. I was like, being in court, you know, people think it's just about how well you know the law, how well you know the facts of the case. And all of those things absolutely matter, of course. But it's also a performance. When you're in court, you have an audience that you have to connect with, right? And that's the same thing as music, right? Same thing as other arts, you know, acting and so on and, other, so on and so forth. You have an audience that you have to connect with. So you have to figure out how to connect with that audience and via visuals or how you speak, the, the sound of your voice, the volume of your voice, you know, the colors that you may use on the, on the artwork that you're, when you're presenting, all of those things, the same kind of thing that, that we're doing in music, right? So there's a, connect, there's a connection, connectivity there. As far as people leaving and wanting to kind of go into the arts, I think a lot of people honestly have artistic passions and, and, it, and not necessarily whether it's rapping or it could be baking or it could be, you know, karate or, you know, painting or something like that. A lot of people, I think, have artistic passions. And a law for a lot of people, honestly, was just kind of a, a safe, quote unquote, safe route, a route that you could go that you know that you could have some prestige and put yourself in a position to make some, you know, pretty good money and stuff like that. And so a lot of people went to law school for that reason, not even necessarily because they really deeply down, deep down inside wanted to be lawyers, but because at 20 years old in college, an undergrad, you have to make a decision on what you're going to do with your life, right? you know? And so people are just like, all right, well, shit, what's next? I don't know. So they just apply to law school, you know, or apply to business school or whatever, but it's not necessary because it's like their deep down passion. And so I think then ultimately, you know, once people start working and they realize like, okay, this isn't what I want to do. You know, I'm literally just doing this for the check. Um, then some people will try to figure out other ways to actually fulfill their passions and be happy. And so I've seen a lot of lawyers leave the legal field. I mean, a lot. And people even who were making fun of me when I left, who are calling me now for advice, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so you know, th- there's that. But I think a lot of people have that, that some type of art, artistic passion inside that, you know, the first chance they get to let it out, they're going to they're gonna jump at the opportunity. I mean, is, is this a conversation that you have with, uh, I guess, I, I mean, if you speak to, you know, the younger generation and, and, they, and uh, they talk about wanting to be a lawyer, is this something that you would, you bring up to them in terms of, uh, you know, really doing like kind of a deep dive into them, themselves, into their soul about what, if they really want to be. Yeah. 
So like yesterday, like I was saying, I, I spoke to Ohio State's mock trial team, and they're all they're all undergrads. They're not in law school yet, um, and so they're all people that think they want to go to law school. What I don't want to do is discourage anyone from pursuing that or plant seeds of doubt in their head right. about about making that move. But what I also want to do is give show them that you know life doesn't. First of all, there's nothing in life that has to be permanent, right? So just because you decide to make this this, this decision now doesn't mean ultimately this is what your life has to be for the rest of your life. Right. And then also show them legit alternatives. You know, like I've, I'm a person that obviously I'm, I'm, I jumped out to be an artist full time and and that's what I've mostly been, but I've also used my, my degree um, to help me along the way. I mean, I've negotiated my own licensing deals with ESPN and my own licensing deals with NFL network and HBO and my own stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've, or if I didn't do it or know how to do it, I knew who to go to or, or what to even look for, or you know, who to consult or whatever. So it's not like, oh, I just, you know, I wasted all these years going to law school. It's no, this is it's helped me substantially as an entrepreneur and, and in business. I kind of try to give them that perspective as well. So but just something to think about, you know, because I know a lot of kids, a lot of kids get forced into doing this from, you know, their parents or society or whatever, going to the grad school or law school, whatever it is. But I don't want them to feel like they're trapped if they make that decision, even if they're ultimately not happy later. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I want to turn to more of your music and you know yeah. you, uh, in 2014 you were uh, you know Graf D. King and yourself were on a Sway's uh, in the morning uh, Friday fire mm-hmm. uh, and and one thing that stood out to me and, and you, you know you, you, you all three killed it but one thing that stood out to me is that when Sway goes uh, all right, Becca, you go first. <laughs> uh, uh, right. and, and I'm thinking as someone who can't rap for the save his life, how much of a panic I might have. Uh, was yeah. there any sense of panic when he threw out your name first? And, and, and for you, what was that? What, what also, uh, more so, what, what was the highlight of that, that day for you? Yeah. So I, that, so that was actually the second time I've been on Sway. You know, And the first time, I think, it was in 2012. And... Um, you know, that, it was just me. It was he had this segment called Get in the Game. And so what they do is they play two two of your songs and then they have people call in from all, all across the country and say whether or not you're an artist that deserves to be in the game. And so they had 10 people calling. I think nine out of 10 said I should be in the game. And uh, the last person was a was someone from my hometown who was who was hating. That was kind of kind of <laughs> sad. I was actually embarrassed for us that day. Oh, but, damn. but but that was more nerve wracking to me than than anything else, because it's like. You got these 10 random people that you that don't know you that 
you know, are just listening to your song for the first time and are going to call in and say, like, whether or not you're good enough, that's, that's live on air. Like, that's crazy, you know. Um, the rapping part, though, um, the second the one you're referring to, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking for sure because, first of all, you don't know what beat they're going to throw on. Right. Um, you know, so you don't even necessarily know what tempo, you know, and then it's like you got, you're going to set the stage, and now that you have two other people who are there with you, now you know automatically that there's going to be some type of comparison, right? Who killed it the most? And, and it's a great, it's a great opportunity if you're competitive, because if you're the one that people say, you know, yo, you killed it the most, which some people said in the comments and stuff like that later, that's, that's great for you. Right. But if, if you're the one that people said was the weakest and you know, that's, that's not good for you. Right. <laughs> so, um, but also one thing that you know about Sway is that he's going to make you rap. So if you come on his show, you agree to come on his show, you better know. I don't care if you're on there for four seconds. He is going to make you rap for four seconds. So that's just <laughs> what he does. So there, so I was prepared, I think, um, for that. And, uh, and, and overall, it was, just, it was just a great experience. I mean, just, you know, growing up, when I grew up, I mean, I was watching Sway on MTV News, you know, like, you know, King Tech. And even before that, you know, yeah. King Tech and Sway. A lot of people don't even know that Sway. They just know him on Sway in the morning, you know? Um, so for me, it was, it was, it was surreal. It was like, it was almost like one of those mama, I made it moments, right. Where, you know, you, you take a step back sometimes in this industry and, and you think, you know, people, people like to, from the outside, like to make it seem like it, the only way you made it is if you're Drake, right. 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 Or, or as big as Drake. And, but then you take a step back and you're like, wait, no, <laughs> there are other levels of professional. It's like every lawyer isn't Johnny Cochran, right. Every doctor isn't, you know, Sanjay Gupta or whatever, whoever. It's like there are also other layers and other levels of of people who are actually making a living off of this and making a name for themselves. And I was like, that was one of those moments where I felt like, okay, not I, not I made it per se, but like, yo, I'm here. You know, like I'm, you know, you got to respect this. Like I'm I'm on Sway in the morning rapping and Sway shouting me out and calling my name and telling me bars. And, you know, like I'm here, like I'm here. You have to, you have to accept me as somebody who was in the industry and somebody who's legit. And so that was, for me, um, to be honest, I'm not going to lie to you, that was kind of my biggest takeaway. I was like, yo, I'm here. Actually, take me back to the first call. I mean, what what was it like to get that, I guess, invitation, the first invitation to be on that show? It was surreal because it was kind of like, is this real? You know what I mean? Like, you know, is this... Is this real? Like, I hadn't even, I don't even think I had even dropped an album yet. You know, I had put out some mixtapes and stuff. I think it was 2012 the first time, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I was just like, this this is crazy. Like, I'm I'm not, you know, because that's when you start asking yourself, like, wait, like, you start doubting yourself. Like, am I, am I worthy of this? Did this, right, right. you know what I mean? And what did I, you know, what have I done to get here? And, and, and then you start to realize, look, you're an MTVU freshman, and you won the you won the best freshman award, best video, and you had your song and video played on MTV and VH1 for weeks as a result of that. Yeah, you you made it, bro. Like you made it, you know. So, but I was nervous as hell going up there because, you know, obviously I'd done tons of interviews before that, but nothing even close to that magnitude. Right. Um, and then not knowing what was going to happen with the get in the game segment and, you know, what people were going to say. And then, you know, then him, I know he was going to put me on the spot to freestyle, which I had to that day too, you know? Um, and I'm not the greatest freestyler. I just be honest, you know, I, I really like to write my stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, I can do what I need to do when I need to do it. And, and so, um, 
So there's a lot of that. And then also just the fact that, that it's live, right? You know, some of these shows that we do are pre-recorded. So if there's a, a mistake or whatever, you want to do something again, you can do it. Not right. this, you know, this is live and people from all over the country and all over the world are listening. So, so initially getting the call, I was so ecstatic because I was just like, this is such a great opportunity, op- great opportunity for exposure. Sway, um, ended up telling me on that on that show live on air that this is one of the best interviews that he's ever had that he could sit there and talk to me all day he said that live on the show that was crazy to me too so it was like it was all it was just a a completely surreal experience and even to to this day when i think back on it i still feel like wow like did that really happen you know like that's it's one of those moments in, in in my career that's just like just stands out to me because i'm just like i don't know just the way it happened the way he treated me and the aftermath of it. And then he brought me back again, which shows, you know, that he really believed in me as an artist. Uh, yeah, it was it was surreal, honestly. So, and, and obviously you're still going today. And I want to ask you about, you know, your latest single, Still Dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've described it as, uh, quote, music for the soul for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who, well, first of all, who's the first voice that we're hearing on that track? That's my, my grandmother-in-law. She's uh, 84, the oldest person I know. Talk to her all, all the time, and she's just given so much perspective. So I was like, man, she would be perfect to kind of set this track off. Did you kind of I, I give her a script or what to say, or was this a stupid conversation, yeah. you know, random conversation? Or yeah, I, I kind of well, it, it, it the script kind of came out of conversations that we we had had, so it was authentic to who she was and what she would say. But it, I kind of you know we kind of came up with it together, and um, and it was you know it's interesting how the how the song actually came together. Um, I, you know, I had, uh, I had gotten in a car accident in 2019. Um, and it was a random accident, uh, car ran over my foot and broke, broke my foot. And that was kind of like the height of my, what I think my career was. I had just released a song called Nip and Tuck and it was Mm -hmm. doing really, really well. Um, on the radio, you know, it was on Shade 4 or 5, had a whole nip and tuck challenge where people were dancing to it all across the country. It was featured in Source, Hip Hop, everywhere. And I was performing all over the country and just shit was popping, you know. And then I was about to release another song and a single and video on the heels of that called Born to Win um, on February 6th of 2019. And then January 14th. 2019 is when the accident happened so we had already finished the video and everything so we still ended up releasing it but i wasn't able to do any promo travel or anything um i was in a boot and then a few months later i ended up having surgery so that i went through a a a real crazy period of like you know depression and, and and doubt and who am i and what do i do now and you know like just just trying to figure out like why this happened and all this type of stuff. And, and then shortly after that COVID hit and then shortly after COVID hit, um, you know, George Floyd was murdered, which was, you know, almost to a year ago to this day, uh, May 25th. And then the protests happened. And so we were quarantining, um, partially quarantining because I, I was recovering from surgery, but also, because of what was going on. And at that period of time, I was just like really trying to, you know, self-reflect uh, and also pay attention to what was going on in the world. And so I had the, I had the hardest time writing. I didn't write any music literally during this period of time. I, I couldn't just bring myself to do it. Uh, and then ultimately I had uh, one of my, my producers who I work with, his name is the audio unit. He had sent 
or posted a link to one of his beat pages. And it was a random night, like one thirty in the morning. I was up and couldn't sleep. And I was like, let me just go listen to some beats. Mm. And I went on this, his site and I heard this beat and I'm like, I, I texted him immediately. I said, yo, take this shit down off the website <laughs> right now. So he texted me back and, and, and was laughing. It was like, he was like, my bad. He was like, I'll take it down now. And what he thought was, he thought that I must have recorded to it before because he had had that beat up there for a long time. And he thought that I was saying like, yo, take it down because I already recorded to it. But what, I was, but what I was saying was like, yo, this shit is mine. I'm claiming this. I don't want any, I don't even want anybody to come on here and act like they're about to rap to this. This is mine. So he so he took it down and and um so I actually started writing to it. And that was the literally the first time I was inspired to write in probably 2 years and it's the only song I've written in the last 2 years. And so what happened was I you know as I was trying to figure out like, you know, what do I do now? You know, what do I do as far as music? Who am I now? Are people going to care when I come back out? You know, what am I going to write this about? So I was like, I'm going to call this still dope. This is how it started. I'm going to call this still dope. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to remind people that just because you haven't heard from me in a couple of years, I want to remind you that I'm still dope. <laughs> so I wrote that whole song. Then I started thinking about it. I was like, nah, Mecca, that's not, that's not what this is supposed to be. You know, that's not what all this stuff is happening for. I think what I think I was trying to tell you was like, listen, you need to bring, come back with something for the people. This isn't about you anymore. You know, you have a renewed perspective. You have, you know, awareness and understanding that a lot of people want to hear from you, hear from you. That's not just about talking about how dope you are. You're past that now. And so I I scrapped the whole song, kept the hook uh, for the most part and changed a couple parts of it. But but then I decided to write a song for the people to remind the people, listen, I don't care if they kill us. I don't care if they shoot us. I don't care what happens. I don't care what they say. We are still dope and we're always going to be dope. We've been dope and we're still dope. And I was like, that's so much more powerful. And as I started to write that song, everything started to come together, you know, and it started to make sense. And the vision, the visuals, like the video was done too, which will be out June 8th. It's fire. It's like, you know, I brought in the top, one of the top production companies in the whole Midwest to do it. And, you know, then that's when I thought about bringing in my grandmother-in-law, like, to set it off like listen keep working hard mecca they see you they see us i love to see it our time is now i was born in 1937 i've seen it all there aren't many like us we still dope you know someone born in 1937 you know what i mean like oh, yeah. who's really literally seen it all lived through world war ii or the korean war you know vietnam and then civil rights you know independence in, in Af- african countries all the way to, you know, parts of Jim Crow and just, you know, Brown versus Board of Education, like everything, you know, and, and having the conversation with her basically about how history is repeating itself. And you listen to certain speeches from Malcolm X in the 60s. And it's, it, if you heard that same speech today, you would think that he was talking about today. And, and mm-hmm. so all these things started to kind of come together for me. And um, and ultimately, I felt like I was able to create something that going back to what we were talking about earlier, that will stand the test of time, a song that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people can still listen to. And if it just gives people three minutes of hope or three minutes of relief or feeling or to feel good about themselves, then I feel like I've done my job. And this is like one of the first times when I feel like I was truly a vessel for the message. Not, this isn't about Mechadon. Yes, I'm the artist on it and I wrote it, but this isn't about me. This is about 
the message being pushed through me. And so it's, it just gives me great, that gives me just a tremendous amount of joy. Real life chapels, the heroes, man, we still go. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for limited time while supplies last. I mean, it's interesting listening to the track because I feel like, I mean, obviously, what you said, what you said, was, uh, what, what you said, but at the same time, what I felt like it was, it was listening to you work through, or kind of quote unquote make sense of what was going on in terms of mm-hmm. like George Floyd and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and 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 we were, we had the privilege to be along for this this ride with you. Yeah. Uh, which was, I think, even made the track a little more powerful for me. Um, at the same time, as you were, you know, you were being that voice for for the community and for the for the people. Yeah. Um, do you feel that uh, this is what, what what, what hip hop needs to start doing more of, or I mean, have they continued to do it? And uh, or do you think there's this movement to do more um, rap music that kind of represents? the people and, and what's going on. See, it's such a, it's such a good question. And, and, and it's complex in a way, because if you talk to a lot of people who are in hip hop or who listen to hip hop, they'll, they'll tell you like, look, there's so many artists that are doing th- this type of music that, but they just don't hit the mainstream. Right. Because right. that's not what the mainstream wants. So the mainstream is going to push a certain thing and that's what you're going to hear on the radio. And then people are going to say, Oh, nobody's doing this type of music. You know, all the music that we hear is bullshit. And it's like, yeah, just because that's all what you're hearing on the you know the top of the charts doesn't mean that's the only music that's being made. So I always always want to make that point, right? There are a lot of artists out here who are doing that, but it's it's hard to get the mainstream to actually embrace that music because a lot of who the gatekeepers are. Right. And that's why I respect so much about what J Cole has done because I feel like J Cole is a person who has broken through the quote unquote mainstream. I mean, he I think he's either surpassed or about to surpass like the number one spot for most streams of his new album, you know, and his new album is not a radio iTunes or iTunes, uh, auto tuned, you know, like right. no bars, you know, like it's a real rap, you know? And so I was so happy actually that he dropped that when he did. Cause I felt like it, it helps set the stage, just the mood of music for, for, for still dope. And then you have, I don't know if you know who Tobe and Weegway is. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's, dropping shit hot fire shit like he dropped this song called fire fire and the video for it is just immense and it's on some empowerment shit you know what i mean so i feel like and it's going viral and people love it and so i feel like there's a huge 
population of people that are looking for this type of music, that want this type of music, that will embrace this type of music if it's presented to them. And so for me now, the biggest challenge for me is to make sure that people hear hear it and then ultimately see the video. Because I have no doubt that there's millions of people or billions maybe who will actually like this and appreciate the message and you know, who, who want to have this type of music presented to them. The question literally is how do we get it presented to them? And that's what, what I think is, is awesome. And I think there's a space for all different types of music. I don't think all hip hop has to be, you know, empowerment music or conscious or whatever words you want to use. I think there's a place for the club music and the trap music and all that. I think there's, you know, it, it's, so long as it's authentic to the artist and it's speaking to, you know, what their experiences are and what they're feeling, I think there's always a place for it. And even for the most conscious artists, so to speak, you know, that we love that ratchet shit sometimes too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's not, you know, there are very various components to us. And, you know, and that's like, that's what I love about Pac is I feel like he embraced all of the various components of who he was. He could make a song like Dear Mama and Brendan's Got a Baby, but he could also make a song like I Get Around. And they're all authentic. That's all part of who he was. We are all very complex individuals. And, um, so, so anyway, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, you know, I think the people who believe that this is what they should do and this is what's in their heart, I think they should make that music. And I think that we should support it. And the people who don't believe it and want to make other music, I think that's fine too. And that's just pretty, that's kind of where I stand on it. I want to go back. I mean, so, so how, how does someone that, I mean, that's not, that's not J. Cole, but you know, making, uh, J. Cole type music that how, how does someone financially I guess support themselves if if the gatekeepers are not going to, if, you yeah. know if, if the gatekeepers are not going to allow it but they're like all right so let's try to find a different route but the gatekeeper is like well I'll give you a um, hundred million dollars if you write this crappy crap yeah you know? um, I mean, wh- what is that's their alternative a big challenge that's that that is a big challenge man and it's interesting that you actually said that because I actually had a a, a meeting with a record label and I don't want to put them on blast but. The record label, the guy the executives literally told me, he was like, look, you need to make some harder, more trap type music. You make a single like that and we can we can sign something today. Literally told me that to my face. And I'm just sitting here like, wow, like <laughs> you actually had the balls to actually say that to me, to my face. You know what I mean? Like, right. but that's that's for them. That For him, that's the game. You know, they have a cookie cutter approach to the game that they feel like they have a formula. Um, now where it's literally all about the money. It's not, they don't care a lick about the music and how it's impacting the people. And if it's uplifting or if it's, they don't give a damn about that. So you are right. This has created a very serious challenge for artists who are not necessarily in that lane. Um, and there, there aren't many, there aren't really many good answers beyond the fact that you have to do what you have to do to get the people and the fans to support. So if that means you're doing local shows, if that means you're doing, you know, freestyles on your social media, if that means you're connecting with the community and being involved in community events and working that way, you got to figure out a way to organically build a fan base because ultimately what happens in this game is the fans are the ones that really run the industry. The gatekeepers definitely control a lot of what people hear but the fan, the fans can't be stopped, and you and you see that in, with uh, with Tech Nine, you know, mm-hmm. Tech Nine oh, doesn't yeah. even have to be on the radio ever, you know, like there are, most people haven't even heard of Tech Nine, and Tech Nine makes millions of dollars a year off of his music and merchandise, you know, and because he stayed authentic to who he was, he 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 stayed on the grind, 
and he built a fan base and those fans can't be, no one can tell those fans to not support him. So, you know, I would say study those, study those models. You know, the models of, of, of tech nine is, is probably the best one, you know, because he is someone that, you know, literally does not ever fight for the mainstream attention, but has mainstream money, <laughs> you know, as a result of his art. And he didn't come in the game with money either like that. So, so th- that's the thing is that you got to find the fans and you got to do what you got to do to find the fans. And now that, that, the you know, social media and the digital space has been opened up to the whole world, there are no excuses left. And I'm not saying that it's not hard, but you know, that's one thing one of my mentors told me when, you know, when I, when I first started and, and things started to go more digital, he said, listen, one of the reasons why you're going to make it and you're going to succeed is because now the platform in a lot of ways has been, has been leveled, right? Mm-hmm. You can get your, you can now, before, if, if you didn't have your music on the radio, nobody could hear your music. It's just, it just wasn't going to be heard. Now you could put it on SoundCloud. You could put it on YouTube. You could put it on freaking MySpace when it was out back then. You know, there's ways that you could get your music out there. And now then it becomes about the grind, right? Um, and, and, and creativity. And there are people who've had no budgets who've been able to make million, get millions of views or streams or whatever it is. So, yeah, that's how, the advice I would give is just find the fans. And, and, and it's one of those also, and, and also it's one of those things you have to also, I think, as an artist, you have to define what is success, right, mm-hmm. to you. Um, yes. And 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 I and I say that because you know you, you're 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 still doing the art, but at the same time, you know you're, you're still practicing law. And artists with with second jobs, so to say, right, with yeah. day jobs, it's not something new. I mean, a, you right. know, apathy does it. Um, and I was talking to. Talib Kweli and Diamond D on for all hip hop, and I asked Kweli about you know now he's podcasting now and he's written a book. And I was like, what are the advantages of doing that? And he's like, what I realized is that I don't have to write all the time as an artist to make a living. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tour all the time as an artist to make a living. Yeah. I could actually have a second means of you know income. Yeah. Um. So for you, what what is your? I asked that in a way to ask you, what is your definition of of success? Yeah, uh, as as the as the artist, as Mechadon the artist, what what do you define as success? So it's interesting because I think it's changed over time, right? You know, like before the accident, my accident, I feel like it it was, you know, am I supporting? Am I able to support myself off of the music and the music alone? Um, I think that was kind of how I defined success at that time. I think now um, it's more about to me, am I? Am I making impact? Is my music actually making the impact? And the impact, you know, it's funny. You don't want to look at the numbers, like how many streams, how many views, because, you know, first of all, a lot of that shit is artificial in in, in this game, just if we're being yeah. honest. Um, but secondly, you don't really know if each stream, a stream doesn't even necessarily mean the person listened. It might just mean, mean it was on a playlist and they just, it was on the playlist and that's how you got the stream. So you don't want to look at it that way. But you know, for me, success is when people write me, for example, like I posted a um, something today, just a collage of, of feedback that I've gotten for the song so far. And people saying, oh, this is crazy. This is impacting my life. This is dope. I have this on repeat, you know, bro. You know, you know, those are the type of things that that make that make me feel like I'm successful. You know, um, obviously, you want to be booked for shows. You want to be booked for interviews. You know, you want you want that type of stuff to happen, too, because that's a reflection of in some ways a reflection of, of the success or the popularity of the song, but you don't want to only look at that. I was literally listening to an interview 
with J. Cole, and I posted a clip of it the other day too, where he was where he was saying how he doesn't do this for the money, right? He does this for the feeling. Obviously, the money is important because you need to support your family and you want to have the security and all those type of things. So we're not saying don't go for the money, but that's not why we're, he, he's doing it. And he's doing it because he, for the feeling, he said when he made that song, uh, Let Nas Down, the feeling that he had after he made that song and after people hit him up and stuff like that, that is what we're searching for. And that, honestly, that is 100% true for me as well. That is That feeling of people connecting um, it's almost like you're an inventor or a construction worker, right? There was nothing there. And then all of a sudden you created it and now people are benefiting from it. That feeling right there is, is, is unlike no other. So for me, that's success. And then to, to piggyback on your point about what uh, Talib was saying, right now, like all the artists are doing multiple different things. I think we're, they're all starting to become more entrepreneurial and business oriented and realizing, you know, like, like what all these gurus say, you need seven streams of income and stuff like that. So everybody's diversifying. They're in entrepreneurship, owning franchises, getting into crypto, you know, starting their own crypto coins, writing books, hosting shows, you know, leveraging their brand that they built off of music uh, into doing other things. And uh, always the music is always going to be the anchor. If you look at Jay-Z and Snoop, that's what they're doing. You know, the music is always the anchor. So they're always going to release some music here and there but they have all these other things that they've branched out into being able to do. And that's beautiful to me. Like I, I, I love to see it. So um, I'm all about that. You know, the law and legal consulting and stuff for me is, is important because I can help people that way. Um, But it's also a a different stream of revenue. And I think as you're trying to accumulate wealth for your family and success, you have to be thinking more like that. You can't just say, Oh, I'm just going to get it off rap and that's it. So, uh, one more question, Mecca. Um, you, you listen to your 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 new single, "Still Dope." Uh, is there a lyric on it that kind of be like, "Is your oh shit, I can't believe I wrote that lyric" moment? Yeah, I think. Um, so I say I'm, I'm going to wrap a little bit of the fir- of the first verse, and and then I, I'm going to tell you part of it that kind of got me. So I said, "We've been passed up and on purpose." Told us all that we worthless, ain't good enough for that boardroom. We only good enough for that circus. Better jump high, better run fast, better rap good, better kiss ass. We in fields and courts. Then with a game from the field to court, that's an eerie sport. So that part of it, to me, I was like, this is some real shit that I'm saying, right? So I, I had, um, I'm going to break down a couple of different parts of that. So one part of it where I said, um, we're not good enough for the boardrooms. We're only good enough for the circus. When I had sent the I had sent a, a the video the preview video to um, a local ABC news station here a, a anchor that I uh, recently met and she watched it and she wrote me back immediately and she said that when she heard that lyric she started crying wow. and you know she was telling me how powerful the video was and you'll see when you see the video you'll understand it and um, mm-hmm. but just that point you know, just made her think about so many different things and what we, we, we've all been through. Right. Um, and just, it made me think of part of the reason why I wrote that <clears throat> lyric is obviously just the historical reasons. And, but even have, I remember having, I have a friend that played in the NFL for eight years and after he was done, very smart dude, when got his MBA, you know, play, football was not like the only thing in his life, but he was known as that. And so he would go into, you know, meetings and people would be so excited to meet him. But when it was really down to do business, when it was really time to do business, they didn't take him seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, they just treated him as a football player. 
And, um, and I remember him telling me that, and this was a couple of years ago and just how hurt he was by that, you know, just, wow, they really cannot see past the fact that I was just some glorified athlete. I have an MBA, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, not to say that that means I'm smart, but you know, I've also done the things that you guys said was what was needed to be taken seriously. And you guys still don't take me seriously. So, so there was that. So that was part of the reason why that lyric came out. And then the, you know, wearing fields and courts part that like kind of tying that whole thing together of just like how we, you know, black people started off in the fields, right? And then in the courts, and then they moved us to the courts and now the courts became the new field, right? Now we're in jail, kind of the whole prison, the pipeline thing. And then the fields as the sports and the courts as the sports and kind of that being an extension of that. So that, that tying all of that kind of together as well, I felt like when I wrote that, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm writing some real shit right here. <laughs> so, yeah. That's cool. Uh, he, he's a Mechadonna. New, new single is uh, still dope. Uh, incredible artist. Uh, definitely continue to check him out and follow his work. Uh, Mecca, thank you so much for being on Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Heidekel. I really appreciate this. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And make sure everybody follow me on social media Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's Mechadon Music, M E K K A D O N Music. Uh, make sure you check out that still dope. Put it on repeat. Put it in your playlist. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud. Um, and the video comes out June 8th on YouTube, um, youtube.com forward slash Mechadon Music. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. Show love. Hit me up and let's connect. Told us all that we worthless. Ain't good enough for that ballroom. You only good enough for that circus. Better jump high, better run fast, better rap good, better kiss ass. We in fields and courts. Damn, what a game from the field to court. This an eerie sport. Break the chains, keep the faith, read the book, change the name, beat the odds, change the game. Do the knowledge, then make it rain. I said, break the chains, keep the faith, read the book, change your name, beat the odds, change the game. Do the knowledge, then make it real dope. Still dope. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz, and I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.